morning, Regina Apostolic Church. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Larry Moore, and it's my pleasure and honor to share with you this morning from the Word of God. These are strange days. I don't have to tell you that. You've experienced that. And uh, my understanding is that here in Regina that the restrictions are going to be lifted as of today. So this is uh, a multiple reason to celebrate this Sunday. I trust that you've made it through in good shape and that uh, the Holy Spirit has walked with you during these times. Uh, I don't think that any of us have ever experienced this before, and yet God has been faithful through the midst of it. There are certain uh, aspects of the Scripture that promise us that the Lord will walk with us during these times. We know that He's faithful. It's just that sometimes when we walk through uh, land, if you will, or particular seasons that we're not used to, we get the impression that maybe, you know, I wonder if he's going to be with me here, if he's going to be with me during this time. Of course, we know theologically that's the case, but we've never walked this way before. And over the past 18 months or however long it's been uh, for you, the Lord has been faithful to us. As I said, the scripture speaks of that. I want to give you a scripture out of the book of John chapter 16 and verse 25. If you want to read along with me, uh, this is a portion of scripture that tells a story about Jesus speaking to the disciples, and this is what he said. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I'll ask the Father in your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and coming back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples says, Well, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now uh, believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I'm not, on, uh, I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. That's an amazing scripture, an amazing promise that God has given, not just to the disciples, but to you and I also. John records that Jesus as a result of this scripture, he's actually preparing them for the time when he's going to be leaving them. He said, I'm not going to be here much longer, and I am preparing you to get ready for that particular season. He teaches them many things in this chapter. For example, he teaches them that he's going to go away and prepare a place for them and for you and I. We call that heaven, even though we don't know exactly what it is. We have some uh, scriptures that allude to it, but really, uh, if you ever see through a glass dark, you certainly do when it comes to being able to describe heaven. So he's going, to, he's going to prepare a place for us, which is heaven. And then he said, while you're here on earth, people will hate you as they hated me. You can expect a rough ride at times for your faith. I'm not talking about, for the most part, anything that we've experienced in Canada. But there have been times where, with all of us in all of our lives where people have shunned us maybe, or have walked away from us, or ridiculed us because of the fact that we believe in Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, you shouldn't be surprised when that happens. Then he said... I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, which is the Comforter and the Helper. And He'll be with you at all times. He'll not only be with you, but He's going to convict the world of sin and be there to lead them into all truth. And then finally He said, even though you will abandon Me, 
I'll never abandon you. I'll always be with you. My promise to you, I will keep. Even though your promises to me, there's no guarantee that you will. What I want to focus on today is the last statement that Jesus makes in this chapter. This is what he said. I've said these things to you that in me, you will have peace. Peace is an important commodity in the kingdom of God. You might ask yourself, where exactly will this peace take place? Peace comes as a result of our daily existence, of our personal life, walked out with all the ups and downs, all the successes, all the failures. In the midst of that, not just in the midst of a good church service, not just in the midst of a good worship service, but at all times, you can expect that peace to be consistently with you because the Holy Spirit is the one that brings that peace and He resides within you and I. So when you lose your job, and some of you may have lost your job during this season, when a child is not walking with the Lord, one of your children, when some of your friends just leave you for no reason whatsoever, when there's not enough money at the end of the month, or when you struggle in your mind and you can't find any joy in your life, at all of those times, in spite of those things, as real as they are, the peace of God is promised us from Jesus to keep our hearts and minds according to Philippians. Then he said, in this world you will have tribulation. In other words, don't be surprised by the problems in your life. It's not that Jesus promised us that, but he was reflecting on the reality of a fallen creation. The world that we live in is fallen, and there's no question that stuff happens in the midst of this. Not everything is easy. When you accept Jesus into your heart, there's no guarantee that everything's going to go according to plan, especially when it's your plan. So in this world, we're going to have tribulations. In other words, don't be surprised by the problems in your life. Whether they're self-induced, and many of our problems are, we bring them on ourselves. Sometimes it's a response to you living out your faith. Sometimes it comes through persecution as a result of you telling people about your faith. And sometimes it comes as a result of just living a normal life in a fallen world, a.k.a. a pandemic. And it may seem strange, but those things happen. The reality is we will have tribulation. And no matter how much faith you have, you can't get away from the fact that you live in this world. You can't get away from it. In fact, Jesus said to his Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the world, to protect them from it, so they can continue to be an influence through salt and light for your glory. And then he said probably the best part of the entire chapter. He said, but take heart, <clears throat> for I have overcome the world. In other words, be of good cheer. Don't be fearful. I've got this, Jesus said. I've got it covered. I'll look after it. Everything will go according to my plan. You're looked after. If I've beaten this world order, he said, then you, <clears throat> you have nothing to worry about. Nothing whatsoever. Jesus' last statement is crucial if you and I are going to successfully walk out this Christian life here on earth. If he hasn't overcome the world, then you and I will not be able to overcome the world. But if he has and he promises us that, then when he says to take heart, you can take heart in the fact that he's never lied ever. And he's always fulfilled his promises. Jesus' promise to you, Jesus' encouragement to you and I, is that we would take heart believing that he has overcome the world. In other words, if he's overcome it, we got it cased. Jesus' last statement is crucial. Martin Luther said in writing to Philip Melanchthon, 
about this verse said, such a saying as this is worthy to be carried from Rome to Jerusalem on one's knees. That's a profound statement. When Martin Luther was talking about that, what he was saying is that this is profound for those of us that know Christ as Savior and live on this earth in accordance with His will. We have a promise of our elder brother having overcome this world. You and I are in that position. It's a powerful statement. It really is. And it doesn't matter if it's a pandemic, if it's a death in your family, if it's a loss of work. It doesn't matter how tragic the sickness is. And I'm not minimizing any of those things. All I'm saying is Jesus understands. He's not a high priest that hasn't been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted yet without sin. That's our elder statesman. That's Jesus Christ. And he said, if, if he said, take heart for he's overcome the world, then you and I need to take heart as a result of that. So why are these verses so important to me? Because they're the promise that you and I, through the Holy Spirit, will be able to overcome the world in Jesus. Not in ourselves, not our own good ideas, not our own capacity, not because we're righteous within ourselves, but in Jesus, who has overcome the world, you see, we have a promise that we've also overcome the world because of what he's done. And so Jesus said, take heart. Take heart. He overcame the prince of, the, of this world through his death, according to John 12. And as a result, the enemy is a vanquished enemy. He's a humbled foe. We're protected. We're covered. We're sheltered under his wing. We're provided for. We're, we're, uh, we're looked after. The providence of God is ours. In the same way that you would, you would do your very best to provide for any of your children, if you have children, you can expect that he was many, 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 many more times uh, more capable and more willing to look after you than you are of your own children. That's how much he loves us. Everywhere I go, I find people who live as if this truth isn't possible. It can't actually be. And if it is, it must be for everybody else. It's as if they were personally selected to wear a sign around their necks that said God's personal promises are for everybody else except for me. Can I just suggest to you this morning or whenever you're listening to this message, you're not that special. God's not going to take you and make you an example of a scripture that he will not fulfill and will not stand by with his great name. If he said that that's the case and it's for everybody, it includes you. That may not be your experience. You may not think yourself worthy of that. You may think that there's a certain amount of circumstances that would extract you from that being applied to your life. Those things are all not true. They're not true. The reality of the situation is that the Father is with you and His promises apply to you. So hear me this morning when I say this. Take heart. He's got this. Whether it's what you've been through or what you'll be through in the future. Take heart. He's overcome the world. He'll look after it. Let me share three points with you this morning that have to do with this. Number one, if we're going to believe this and have it not just as a message that we hear over the internet or in person, if it's actually going to take root in our hearts and in our lives, we have to allow ourselves to make a daily choice of this particular scripture in view of the fact that Jesus said he's overcome the world. We have to stand by that. When we come up against circumstances, we have to be able to say he overcame the world and therefore he's going to look after this as well. Understand this, it's him that's overcome the world. 
not you and I. I know we're good. Unfortunately, we're not that good. But Jesus is good enough to overcome the entire world, all of the, all of the stuff that would come up against us, the world, the flesh, the enemy. He overcame everything. He went down into hell itself and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He overcame. He literally did. And you stand under his authority as a result of what he did. But understand, as I said, it's not you that's overcome the world. It's him that's overcome the world. It's not you. It's not your righteousness. Not the fact that you woke up this morning and you look back over yesterday and you, you can't actually tag yourself with any particular sin. It's not your plans. <clears throat> it's not your good intentions. It's not your great spiritual to-do list. I read my Bible today. I spoke to somebody about Jesus on the bus. I, uh, I gave my tithe this week, yada, yada, all of those things. I'm not, I'm not minimizing them, saying they're not important. But that's not the basis on which you can trust in that scripture. You trust in the scripture because it came out of the mouth of the Son of God. And he can stand behind it, whereas we can't. It's not about your great to-do list. It's not about your personal strength. We must be willing to have faith and trust in the words of Christ, not our own ability. Not our own ability. If I can't trust his word for this, then I can't trust it for anything, including my own salvation. So he's overcome the world, number one. Not us, but him. Number two, my human view of circumstances is going to appear different than my faith view. Every moment of every day, my heart has a choice. I can either trust in what I see in faith or what I see in the flesh. And what I see in the flesh is much more uh, obvious and real to me because it's right there. It's in the flesh. It's where I live every day. Whether we see in faith what God has promised or we see in the flesh what is our present situation, I can't simply look at the flesh and take heart in that without believing that Jesus is going to, in faith, get me through that situation. A good example is Abraham when he was told that he'd be the father of many nations. Now, Abraham was old at the time and Sarah was old as well. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, as it's written, I've made you the father of many nations. He's our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, the Bible says, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. You see, Abraham could have looked at the flesh in other words, the age of himself and his wife, and say, we're well past childbearing years. This promise somehow got lost in the weeds. I'm not sure where it is. I'm not sure what Jesus or, or the Father was speaking of. But for whatever reason, it, it's not going to happen because I am so old. Humanly speaking, I'm not capable of handling this. And you would, be, you would have a lot of company that would say, you know, that's probably the best thing to do at this point because none of this makes any sense anymore. The reality is, Abraham, instead of looking through the lenses of the flesh alone, looked through the lens of faith and trusted in God in that situation. And can I suggest to you this morning that if you're going to take heart and you're going to walk with Jesus in spite of the stuff that you come up against, that it necessitates you looking through the lenses of faith, not just the flesh, but faith. And that faith has to be rooted in a promise from the Word of God. So if God has promised you something in the scripture, you can look through that in faith, believing that he's going to redeem that situation in accordance with his will. How do you know that this faith, that trusting in this faith is real in your life? 
you have an uncommon peace in circumstances that don't warrant it. The Bible says in Philippians that, uh, that we make our request known unto God and the peace of God that passes understanding. In other words, my version of that is it doesn't make any sense. The peace of God that makes no sense will keep my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. What's that mean? It means it stands guard over my heart. It stands guard over my mind. That's how powerful it is. And this peace comes in circumstances where it would seem like I ought to be worrying. That's my part. Some Christians think that worrying is a spiritual gift. I want to encourage you that it's not, but it's, it's commonplace for us because uh, we often just look through the lens of the eyes of the flesh instead of the eyes of faith. And the Lord wants us to look through the lenses of our eyes of faith and trust Him. And when we do that, we call on the Lord, we call on the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit will descend upon us like a dove. And in the midst of that, we'll have a peace in a circumstance that makes no sense for us to have peace. We'll have a trust in the Father that He will keep His word in this situation. I just believe that He's going to do that. <clears throat> I'm not righteous enough to deserve it. There's no reason to expect that that's going to happen on its own, just in the flesh. But I have a spiritual trust and faith that God is going to walk me through this and keep me. And finally, a willingness to see in faith instead of what I would normally see in the flesh. You have to make up your mind if you're going to take heart in certain situations in your life, if you're going to take heart that Jesus has overcome the world, if you're going to take heart that God's going to get you through this situation, you must look through lenses of faith that are anchored in the midst of the Word of God. You have to do that because your flesh will fail you. The arm of the flesh will fail you. If you look through the eyes of faith in accordance with the promises of the Word of God, I can suggest to you today that it will be all right. It will be all right. And that's, that's what the Lord is calling you to. It's an act on your part. It's not something that just happens by chance but it's an active decision on your part. It's not a passive thing. You actively have to decide. I'm going to look at this situation based on the promises I've been given. Just like Abraham was promised the, 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 the nation of Israel, if you will. I am promised this, be it deliverance or providence or whatever the case may be. And I'm going to look at that in faith based on the promises God has given me instead of just looking through the lenses of the flesh. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Imagine that, eh? Imagine that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. And so as a result of this, the writer to the, to the Romans, which is Paul, he said, listen, who then is going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, uh, nakedness or danger or the sword? No, he said, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. That's the promise of the Lord to you. You're more than conquerors in the midst of this. Take heart. You're more than a conqueror. For I'm convinced that neither death or life, angels or demons, the present or the future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. 
That's a powerful promise. A powerful promise. If you will look at the word of God as your promise and with eyes of faith, trust that that's for you because it is, if you know Christ as Savior, then you can expect that God is going to turn around and fulfill his promise for you in faith. The last point is this, that this truth, if you will, is a revealed truth. The Holy Spirit reveals this to us and leads us into it. This is not something that you get a star for perfect attendance at church. This is not something that uh, by virtue of having X amount of dollars in your bank, uh, you, you go up a notch in terms of amenities that the bank will give you. No, this is something that's revealed to you over a period of time. So what I'm saying is that you will grow into this as a disciple of Christ, and it's not something that will be just bang, will just be there as a result of the fact that you've read a particular scripture, listened to a particular sermon. It's a revealed truth. God will lead us into it. It's not enough to give intellectual assent to this. We have to have a revelation. And this is the promise we find in Ephesians 1. It says in verse 15, For this reason, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks to you, or sorry, for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. This concept of taking heart and believing that Jesus has overcome the world and then taking that scripture and allowing that to infiltrate your life and make a difference. That is a powerful hope that Jesus died to give us. And it's all true and it's all available for everyone who names the name of Jesus as their Savior. That includes you and I. You can expect that in your life. I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, in, in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's a powerful promise. My prayer for you this morning is that you would ask, and I'm going to pray for you that this would happen, that there'll be a revelation in your life of how you can trust God in faith and take heart in Jesus, that he will not just be an encouragement to you, and a support to you, but he'll be a deliverer to you at the same time. That you can trust the word of God when it says that he's overcome the world, and in him overcoming the world, you have overcome the world in him as well. Regardless of the situation you find yourself in, regardless of whatever it is that you're dealing with, it doesn't matter how impossible it is. It certainly couldn't be more impossible than expecting to bear children in your 90s. And yet God stood by his promise and came through as a result of the fact that Abraham looked through the eyes of faith instead of the eyes of the flesh alone. I have a video for you as I close out. It's a worship song, and I, I really want to encourage you just to listen, and if you feel comfortable, you'll see the lyrics at the bottom. You can, you can um, uh, sing along with it, and then I'll come back, and I'll finish off this message at that point. This is called Take Heart. 
Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, we thank you that because of him, because of the cross, because he died and rose again, we can overcome, we have overcome. The fight we're in, it's already been won. Tonight, God, this night, Lord, I pray for every single person in this room, Lord. Together, we lift up every single person that we represent in our lifetimes. God, give us the strength and the courage to be the people you've called us to be, to be the church that you have called us to be, to be light in dark places, God, that we might truly love others the same way that you've loved us. God, we thank you for all that you've done in this place. We pray, God, for everything. God, that all this night and all that comes from it would be all to the glory of your name, Jesus. And all the people said, amen. I trust that was an encouragement to you. I just love that song because it tells me in word and in, in, in music and in worship everything I've been trying to tell you verbally this morning. Take heart. God's got this. He's going to look after you. He's going to walk with you. Everything that you've experienced, He's already overcome, including death. And if He's overcome those things, you can expect that He'll take that application and apply it to your life, and you too will overcome whatever it is that He's called you to overcome. The promises of God are real. They're yea and they amen. You can trust them. You can believe that He's going to walk with you through these times regardless of the situation you find yourself in. He believes in you, and he wants to walk with you. He wants, to, he wants you to take heart. And this morning, I'm going to pray that God would do that. Let's just bow our heads and, just see, and ask the Lord to do that, if you would with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word and the fact that when Jesus told the disciples to take heart, that he was actually saying that to us as well. Everybody who names your name, has found themselves in circumstances that have been problematic, stressful, sometimes, uh, sometimes well beyond the pale in terms of anything that we've ever experienced before. And we have no idea how we're going to get out of this. Where are we going to go? How are we going to get out of this? Who's going to make it happen? And as if we're standing in front of Jesus along with the disciples, and he looks us in the eye and he says, Take heart for whatever it is that you're experiencing. I have overcome that. I've overcome that. And I did it for you. Holy Spirit, just descend upon those who are listening this morning and give them peace. Great peace, Jesus. Give them great peace. That that presence of peace is confirmation that you've not just heard them, but you're going to fulfill this promise in their life. And may they take heart and trust you and move forward in the things that you have for them, not allowing those things to be a distraction. Let your blessing be upon them. Thanks for the opportunity to minister in this way and in this word, we pray. We ask your blessing on everyone who's listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless.